playoffs are here. And between upsets and buys and attaboys, we got a lot to break down. Jonesy's back in the studio, and that means it's time for Flashing the Leather. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to episode four, I think, of Flashing the Leather. This is the Iceman Matt Freights, and that is John Jonesy Jones, resident Phillies fan. So you are in euphoria, but it's been a little bit since we have recorded, oh, yeah. my man. It is good to see that face, and welcome back to what my friend has dubbed Iceman Studios. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, it's very good to be back. The last time we were in the studio was right after the trade deadline. Yes. We tried to get in about once a month. We, September always throws me a curveball <laughs> because it's so busy. Kids, school, two couple birthdays, wedding anniversaries. Then you got to throw in like everybody's getting sick for the first time going back to school. You and I both caught that. And now <laughs> it's like, okay, baseball playoffs and we're, let's get back in the studio. So I am very happy to be here. <laughs> I'm very happy you are here. And speaking of fevers, we're at a fever pitch now with the MLB playoffs on. But you're right. The last time we were we here are. was the trade deadline. And we're going to get to that episode because John and I, we have some victory laps to take, but we're going to get to that. But I want to kind of jump right into what is going on now, just so everybody's aware. The night we are recording is game one of the ALCS with the Astros and the Rangers, and we're going to break that down a little bit later. But I kind of want to start as to where we are. The playoffs are obviously in. We're a couple rounds deep now. There are only, what, four teams left and eight wins to be had from either of these four teams, any of these four teams to get to the end. It has been a long season as it always is, and I would say, and I posited last time, that I think it was probably the most exciting season that's had in a while, and I think that overall... I agree with that. The the, <laughs> the new rules, the pitch clock, like watching these playoff games, I see the clock in the corner of the screen, but it's not really having any effect in any of these games. The players have adapted and adapted a long time ago. Oh, yeah. The game is quicker. The game is exciting. And I think that as a result, the sport absolutely benefited from it. And anybody who still hates on it, you're just a hater at this point. Yeah, I like how you're kind of firing off with that first, because we talked about that in the first episode about how this is going to how is this going to affect the season? People were really angry in the preseason, like to the point where they're not going to watch the sport anymore. Um, I always love that, too, by the way. I love when people do that, just so you know. If you're one of those people who says, I'm never doing this again, the sport will not miss you, go ahead. And and we were both on the same page where, no, this is is better for the sport, and nobody's missed a beat. The players have completely acclimated to the new roles, and and it's like an afterthought. Yeah, it It, really is. But I know that a lot of people have opinions, so if you want to give your inherently crappy opinion on the pitch clock 7037186314 is the number to call or, or, or text well the thought, show well thought out opinions are also welcome <laughs> they are welcome but i will tell you that from experience especially when you get into hardcore baseball talk that many of the diehards do not like these rules they do not like mm-hmm. excitement i would actually say that they're anti fun ouch <laughs> i mean think about it man i, I and i well, look, you know. I, I think that when it comes to the purity of any sport that we love, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense that people are married to whatever happened in times past, right? Times long gone, because that's what we remember. Nostalgia is very heavy in baseball as well, the way that they traffic in their history, and they do a great job of doing mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. 
progressive thinking has never really been at the forefront in baseball until very recently because baseball is looking at their fan base dwindling and aging. And so they're trying to compete with other sports that have captured the now really short attention span mm-hmm. of your average uh, viewer. We, we've ca- we've kind of covered this, but it's an always evolving sport. It, it always has, even though people don't like the change. The one thing I kind of recall mentioning was you know, maybe not including the pitch clock in the playoffs. I think we could Or lengthening it, I think we yeah, said. Yeah, but, um, you know. Doesn't it, matter. No, it, it hasn't mattered for me. And now that we're in the postseason, well into the postseason, I, I don't think it's a factor. And, and the pitchers, they're watching the clock. They're timing it. The mm-hmm. batters are getting into the box. We're watching it right now. Jose Abreu getting into the box. It's, it's a non-issue. It is a non-issue. But can I just say that in terms of progressive thinking, these broadcasts with the ump cams and things, I love that. I really like seeing the per, the perspective uh, or different perspectives out on the field. Yeah. And I think that that's something that baseball needs to continue to traffic in. But there have been a couple of rounds that have gotten us to this point. But the playoff field was interesting to me because I feel like the playoff field had mm-hmm. teams in it. Mm-hmm. Like the Marlins made the playoffs this year. And that's a team that oh, has been perennially what a, bad. What a story. Yeah. They mm-hmm. were playing with house money in the playoffs. And although they got knocked out very quickly and swept, what a way to bust into the playoffs. I mean, as the last wildcard team and playing the Phillies divisional rival, they've always given the Phillies a hard time mm-hmm. in the regular season. And I had a twinge of, of, you know, me being a Phillies fan, I got my hat on. Uh, I had a twinge of, Oh, you know, what if crossed my you mind. You were relatively nervous, like talking out in the neighborhood. You were like, I'm already, they're already in my head. I they're already, already in it. my head. Yeah, they were. And they, they were a non-factor. The Phillies took care of their business and it was a non-issue. So, and all as well. And then they would just moved on to the Braves. Yes. And we'll get to that. But so <laughs> Phillies and Marlins play the wild card. And I like, I, I at first was kind of against them getting rid of the one game playoff because I thought, mm. hey, if you don't want to be in it, do better. But baseball is a long season. It's not that easy to just say do better with injuries and you're going to have slumps. You're going to have losing streaks because it's 162 games. Like it's hard. It's impossible to have a perfect season and just have everything go your way. And so but when they extended it by extending the playoff field, that was better because I like the fact that there's more teams involved, which means that you have a more exciting pennant race in September, which is obviously better for the product. It's better for the viewer. And of course, now you get more playoff baseball, which is better for the, the viewing experience. And I like that the Phillies got to play the Marlins, who are a division rival. You never know what's going to happen. And it's not just, well, the Marlins get hot in one game, so the Phillies are gone. Now, both teams have to win two games, and your pitching rotation gets set back. But as you said, the Phillies just sort of demolished the Marlins. But I thought that one takeaway was how amazing the crowd was. And the crowd is always amazing in Philly. But after last year, I feel like Citizens Bank Park took it to another level so far. They have, and I mean, it. I know the Phillies don't um, don't gather a lot of sympathy uh, from the viewing public. No, not a whole lot of people love the Phillies. However, if you are to watch watch the game, watch what the energy at Citizens Bank Park. It's positive. It's fun. It's highly energetic. This is what the sport's about. This is honestly this like this team. I think it's connecting with the city. Uh, more than the 08 team. I was going to say that, actually. I, I think it I think it really is. I mean, you're re- really connecting with the city. The fans are so into it. The energy's there. This is one of the most fun times I've seen as a Phillies fan. I, last year, they they got in. They made that incredible run, and this year they're doing something very similar. Now they've got like a little bit of a resiliency factor, like, hey, we've been here before, 
and it's and and we're ready and we're still ready to get it done. This is not a star-studded Phillies team in terms of like compared to the 08 team, which obviously had Ryan Howards and Chase Hutley and Chase Utleys and, and players like that. I think that this team embodies more of what I think the city of Philadelphia feels, you know, like as a community. And I think after last year's run, relatively the same team right outside of Trey Turner, big acquisition in the offseason. But and this team, I think, gets in. And I know that they had a, a rough season, at least when we were recording last, but they bring they it were, on yeah. in, in, in the end. And they're a very likable team, in my opinion. Yeah, the players, the players, you're covering a lot of territory you want to cover. But yeah, it's uh, you, you mentioned getting hot in the playoffs and and how any team can. And, and now you're mentioning that they went through a slump in the middle of the season. Well, the way that the the good thing about the the playoffs, the way that they're made, is that you can go through a slump. You don't. That's not going to kill your season. You can go look at the look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I want to talk about them separately. But they had a good year. They were in there. They had a terrible August where they were just slumping terribly. They did. They fell out of contention almost entirely. And you're they're like, are they even going to make it? Um, yeah, they bounced back in September. And they and they were able to get into the playoffs because of the format that they have. And look at them now. They beat the Dodgers. Well, and baseball is a rare sport where because there are so many games, you can have a bad month. In the NFL, if you mm -hmm. have a bad month and you go one and three, that significantly decreases your chances of even being able to make a playoff run. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned, you know, the Phillies getting rid of the Marlins. And I think you talked about having bad months. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays started their season historically. By winning what the first thirteen or fourteen oh my gosh. games? Oh, it's like twenty games. <laughs> Our <laughs> first crazy. episode, which you can go back and watch us awkwardly step through this, was about how <laughs> that front office did things differently, and they have almost cracked the code to be able to do low payroll winning baseball, and they just completely unceremoniously get knocked out of the playoffs. And they still made the playoffs. Um, even, well, actually, um, the Rays had a lot of bad injuries that riddled their season toward the end. And, well, the unfortunate Wander Franco uh, issue. Oh, yes. We, we, um, we won't dive into that. No, no. It doesn't need to be dove into. But they also lost Shane McClanahan um, and uh, another star, which I'm failing to remember. But Shane was their their ace um, starting pitcher. You lose an ace. And you really need, you really need that star um, ace pitcher if you go into – a wild card situation because yeah. you need them to be able to pitch one game, get the win. And then in a best of five situation, you may be even be able to send them out twice. Um, if things get, you know, maybe in a game one or game five situation, but um, no, I mean, hats off to the Rays. They, we did give them lots of accolades in the beginning of the season. They made the playoffs, even with a team that didn't look like they should be very good, but they found a way yep. and um, they'll, they'll be back next year. They will, but they also ran into a buzzsaw, which is the Rangers. Now, the Rangers, I would, mm. I would say, are probably <laughs> the, they're probably the streakiest team in Major oh, League yeah. Baseball, and yeah. they're on a heater right now. And so, I think the the Rays coming in with all the injuries, not playing their best baseball at the end, and that's something we're going to get to in the next round because I think that the discussion about teams that come in hot, what what that means in terms of buys and stuff, I think that that matters. Okay. But, so, so you're going to table the Rangers right now? For right now, yes, okay. because the Rangers are currently on our television and in dire straits yeah. as the Astros have the bases loaded with two outs. But you also mentioned the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks, of course, again, they kind of just like buzzsaw through the Brewers. Now, I think I said something about the Brewers earlier in, in our season. Boring? Here. 
I think I said that they, maybe I said boring, <laughs> but I think what I meant was like nondescript. And I think the way that they just get <laughs> ousted in the playoffs by a team that you said had a terrible month of August, ended up surging mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's like the Brewers just kind of go away. I didn't see a lot of fear and fear about it. And I thought that feels the way that I think about the Brewers, but that's yeah, not fair to them. It's not, it's not fair. They had, um, they had a good team. They put together a good season. Um, they, yeah, it, it, I was rooting for the Cubs to, to make the playoffs. They actually made a couple, um, trades in the postseason, tried to make something happen, didn't work out for them. And the Brewers ended up making it. And and, and, I mean, I, I like the Brewers. They're a good team. Yeah. I wasn't really feeling it though. I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't explain. And that's me too. I can't (laughs) explain why the Brewers are boring to me. And I, and I was, and I know that some baseball personalities I was listening to would say, Oh yeah, the Brewers can make a run. And I'm thinking, I I just don't see it. Sure. I mean, you can say (laughs) they can beat the Phillies or whatever, but I, I, I just, they got knocked out. They got swept and, and they got swept at their house. Yeah. And it was like a non-issue. It wasn't. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it's almost perfect. And I feel bad if you're a Brewers fan, I don't mean to disparage your team or disparage you. As a matter of fact, I think that those old school eighties Brewers uniforms with the baseball mitt and the pinstripes, that Mm. was, that's a great look. I wish they had that all the time. Like we I still wish haven't didn't. we still haven't done the uniform episode, no. which I've been wanting off to season. do. Yeah, we'll off have season. to do off season. Yeah, we're we're gonna because we're not gonna be able to talk baseball until the winter meetings at best. That's a so good idea. We'll, we'll have to that. have something to fill it. But last one, Minnesota Twins get their first series victory since two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. Think about this. The last time they won a playoff series, David Ortiz was a Minnesota twin. Oh wow. And I, I think I saw they didn't they didn't win a game since no. um I, I, I'm not gonna be able to pull the stat. It was like oh seven, but um yeah, and, and then they won they actually won the series. I was rooting for the twins. Yes. Um, you know, Carlos Correa, I wanted to see him be the leader of the team. Um they've got they had a couple scrappy guys. Uh it was it was a fun season. Uh who's the uh Royce? Royce was the rookie that was like just mashing at a certain point. You you didn't want to hit pitch to him. Um, yeah, good team. They'll they'll be around. I, I'm excited to see what they do next year with some of their young talent. Um, Byron Buxton didn't seem like he was fully in the mix, and he's all he's always kind of like is the is their injury bug going to affect him or not? Oh, but I know. He's it, like the Mike Trout. I hate to say that about about Mike Trout. Like I'm not disparaging him, but yeah, but Byron Buxton has been hurt. Great name too. Like just a fantastic name in general for a sport. I don't know like what that is. Is that Byron Buxton? Is that a baseball player? Like, or is that quarterback? You know, like there, I always feel like there's certain names like the old Miss quarterback, Jackson Dart. Like what a great name for a quarterback. I love playing that game. You play, play the uniform game, the name game, like <laughs> Byron throw Buxton, names out. second baseman or closer. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you got there? It's a solid name. Buxton, we love you. Yes, we do. (laughs) But the wild card round was pretty much a wash, right? Like every team swept, I think, and that was it. And so the the divisional series comes up. Now, the divisional series, to me, had some of the best storylines. And I think the best storyline coming in was certainly Phillies-Braves because the Braves, and this is historically accurate, offensively were akin to the 1927 Yankees. So I think we're like on almost everybody's Mount Rushmore of like best offensive oh, teams of all time. Nice pull. Yes. And and that's something I've been hearing a lot lately because the series obviously did not go their way. Now, this is the second year in a row that the Phillies have eliminated them. But I I personally believe that the Braves get a pass because they recently won a World Series. So you have to give them some credit for that. Yeah, but, two years ago. Right. Yeah. And, and I realize in today's world, two years ago is like forever ago, but they have won a World Series recently. Mm-hmm. This isn't like it's been 30 years. But when you have a 104-game 
104 win season and you have the offensive output that they had with the players that they had in that team, historic, I mean, historic seasons, right? And they, oh, the offense alone. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. And their pitching staff was obviously mm-hmm. very, very good. Like you don't win 104 games having mediocre talent oh. just about anywhere. Were they were they the highest OPS team this year? I think they were. It probably is. Yeah. It, it would not surprise me if and that the, were the case. Yeah, yeah. And the series coming in to me felt personal, I think, for the Braves. And the Phillies mm-hmm. come in and take game one, and it was like— Hold on, hold on. Before— oh, Yeah, I, go ahead. Can I just jump in? Absolutely. But now, nice. that matchup, like going in, the Phillies come in. Um, a lot of people are kind of asking about, well, the break. What are we going to do with the break? And um, I don't know what the, I don't know what the Braves did. I, I talked to a couple of Orioles friends of mine and they said, well, it would be nice if like they could get like some sim games. I'm sure they did something. But again, Phillies draw a divisional rival and the team that the Phillies beat last year. Yes. And and in kind of a similar circumstance with Braves having home field advantage coming in. And even though the Braves are this historical team, like mm-hmm. you say, you almost feel like the Phillies are the Braves' kryptonite. Yes. It's like the only team that could beat the Braves. That's how I felt as, as a Phillies fan. I'm like, this is the one matchup that this is the team that we could beat. And if the and if and if the Braves win, they go on to win the whole thing. I felt like that could very likely happen. It, it was very so, likely. So that was going into game one. And then and then game one happens, and you've got Spencer Strider, who is a Cy Young candidate. I think he's. I think he might end up getting number two this year, but behind um, Blake Schnell. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Snell was great. This and year. and I hadn't like and every pitch matters in the postseason. So when you're watching Spencer kind of just carve up the strike zone, throwing 99 every pitch into the seventh inning, you're like, every pitch, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's movement on the fastball. That is one thing I want to say because he pitched in Game Four also, and yeah, just. And this is really a sign of what I've been talking about with baseball forever is that I think that the pitching has gotten so good and it has dictated the way that the batters are, the way that they approach hitting now and like the way that launch angle and and bat speed and things are so much different now. Whereas when I used to talk mm-hmm. about how there's less mm-hmm. balls in play and I think a lot of that had to do with number one, chicks dig the long ball and number two, these pitchers are just so good that the hitters have to do whatever they can. And Strider comes in, and I'm watching him in the sixth inning of game four and mm-hmm. thinking, first of all, this guy deserves better because he's pitching excellent, right? Yep. And his ERA was a little bit more inflated when you see the stuff that he has. I think it was a shade under four, but yeah. excellent record. The mm-hmm. team the team record when he pitched was excellent. And he's throwing 99 and 100 with control and command in the sixth inning. Yep. <laughs> and in my mind, I was Scary. like, I have been, I've been pushed back 20 years to where you had your ace starter, the guy who would go in there, not a workhorse, because the workhorse is the guy who gives up four runs over six and two-thirds because the bullpen is tired. Spencer mm-hmm. Strider is throwing 99 effortlessly late into ball games, And the Phillies just, you could tell that it was their series because if that's what you're getting from your ace and you can't win, you had no chance. Yeah, he, he did make it look effortless. Um, but you could see on the slow motion, he's putting his whole body into those, in those pitches. Now... You did get Casty was able to was able yes. to knock him out, and the home runs were there. They just weren't there for the Braves as much, except for in Game Two, um, where we saw Riley uh, get into the mix. But the Phillies, um, you know, Trey Turner was a big part of that. Uh, he was he he got home runs, but he also got a double in a lot of um, RBI situations. Castellanos, JT Ramilto, 
um, Bryce Harper all got in the mix and then you, and then a little bit of peppered in of, um, some of their support players, the, the non-stars, but emerge, I would say emerging stars, um, at the bottom of the order also got involved. Um, the other thing too, about the Phillies this year was, um, Bryce Harper playing first base really allowed Schwarber to remain on the bench as a DH. They switched Brandon Marsh to left field and opened up um, center field for, um, Johan Rojas making that great play in the end game four with base loaded with Acuna. Um, all, all of that was made happen just by some of those moves. Um, so hats off to Bryce making the move to first base there. And hats off to Schwarbs for having one of the oh. weirdest seasons I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. But hey, the guy hit 40 home runs and hit 188. God bless him because you can't take that out of the lineup because of how many home runs he hits. But the thing that the storyline that came out of that game, that, that series was Obviously, I can't remember the player's name now. It's off the, off the top of my head, but the attaboy Harper that was said as an offhanded comment, I believe in Spanish. Orlando Garcia. Yeah, yeah, I believe in mm-hmm. Spanish. And it was an offhanded comment that was made after game two in the locker room. And I think he felt that it was a sacred space because it's the locker room. But yeah. there is a designated time where the media is allowed to be in the locker room for, I think it's like half hour or an hour. And everything that gets said there is on the record. And in my opinion, if you say something and you think, well, he wasn't supposed to hear that, well, then don't say it because this is the playoffs and you don't need to be giving the other team bulletin board material. If you do say it, it is what it is. It's out there. You own up to it and you go out and play better. I did not feel bad for the guy. I thought that what Bryce Harper did was fine, but it's just amazing to me that in the year, the year of our Lord, 2023, what gets people fired up to where... Bryce Harper staring at him is somebody saying attaboy. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the weird, I, I don't know the details of how, when he said in the locker, I don't think the details have really emerged when he said, uh, I don't know what, what the actual quote was, but he was kind of like cackling and pretend like, because Harper uh, had a hard time getting back to first base and got doubled up to end the game. Um, yeah. I, and the other thing too, was he's a natural um, native Spanish speaker. So I'm wondering if like sometimes you can get away with speaking Spanish where nobody, if you're speaking English or the reporters speak English, kind of get away with saying more. I don't know. Like, so those, a lot of those details we don't know. I did see um, Travis Darno, the catcher for the Braves, get pretty ag- aggravated about ha- talking about that sacred space in the locker room. Um, as a fan of the sport, I loved it. I thought it was great. It's fair game. It adds drama. That's I mean, honestly, Bryce Harper loves drama. I don't think he needed to be fired up. I think that Bryce Harper's already fired up, but it add, just just kind of adds to his, you know, this is what I'm going to do when I round the bases kind of situation. Just just to kind of like, he's an entertainer, I, I think, at heart. He wants the sport to be entertaining. He wants to have those big moments. He wants the bases loaded. He wants to hit the home run. And then he wants to stare down at, you know, right at the shortstop. So that's, it was, it was all orchestrated very well. Yeah, it really was. I mean, from an entertainment perspective, like I said, it was it was pretty benign in terms of any type of saying bad things about somebody else or trash talk. Like, I didn't even consider that trash talk. Yeah. It was used for bulletin board material that happens all the time. Also, what happened in the Phillies Brave series was in game four specifically, and I think it happened in other points, but in game four it was even more apparent, was the usage of relievers in big-time situations because I think, what, 20 years ago, Every team had a closer, you had a setup guy, and you had your middle relievers, guys that you could count on to get big outs in certain situations before the eighth or ninth inning. And the Phillies did not do it that way. They knew that they had to get the biggest outs 
in the sixth inning. And so their closer goes in earlier in the game because, and tell me if you agree with this, because pitching has gotten so much better, relief pitchers almost all throw gas and have movement. And so you can be a little bit more reliant on a guy that is not your quote-unquote closer than you used to because sometimes the biggest outs don't come in the ninth Mm -hmm. because you have men on base, less than two outs, and you have the three, four, five guys coming up. These are your biggest outs, not in the ninth inning when it's seven, eight, and nine and the bases are empty. How do you feel about that? Because I, in the moment, felt like, well, this is odd, but then thought, actually, that's probably really good strategy. um, This, I mean, I loved it because uh, this is what Rob Thompson kind of brings to the team. Uh, Last year, you saw, like, he was making changes in the bullpen, which just didn't make always great sense, but it... You kind of buy into it. The other thing, too, was in game three, Aaron Nola pitched a heck of a oh, game for them. The relief staff was rested. The uh, They they shellacked the Braves like 10 to 2 or something like that. Didn't have to use a lot of their star relievers. And the Phillies, that was one of the things that they beefed up in the offseason and at the trade deadline was they, they the, their relief staff is better than it was last year. They acquired Craig Kimbrell. Uh, they got Giovanni Soto. And then Alvarado, I mean, he's been lights out. He's the same as last year that he just got him over, um, carried him over from the year prior. And then Sir Anthony Dominguez hasn't been as sharp, but serviceable. And then a handful of other guys, they're deep. They've got a deep bullpen and all of them can throw gas, like you said. Um, So, yeah, they were rested going into game four. And then they're in a situation where, um, gee, you know, our our starter looks like he's, he's looking like he's in trouble. We're going to pull him. And, yep, we we know we have to get some guys out. Alvarado got two quick outs. Then he walked two. And now all of a sudden Kate, uh, Craig Kimball comes in because they've got to get Darno because guess who's coming up next? Acuna. Acuna. <laughs> so, you're, so all that, like, it really set the stage. And then you've got um, a wild pitch in which Pilar doesn't score on the wild pitch, and they definitely could have, but do you want to risk getting an out with a coon on deck? Maybe not. So we've got um, the wheels are on motion for that perfect uh, matchup between uh, Craig Krimble and Acuna. Two outs, bases loaded. <laughs> it, was, it was like, and, and every you're just hanging on the edge of every pitch. And and Craig Krimble looked a little bit rattled with the wild pitching. Couldn't really tell where his head was. Let me tell you, as, <laughs> as a Red Sox fan in the 18 team, Kimbrel yes. was their closer. It was what I assume is like being on cocaine in that you just have no idea what's going to happen, when things are going to happen. Uh, He could be extremely accurate. He could walk the first three guys and then strike out the next three guys. And it's like this roller coaster ride of emotion. But honestly, if he's your guy, base is loaded and their best hitter is on. Like, who else are you going to employ to get that out? Because if you're putting the middle reliever out there who's just another dude, it's not the same. Like you need guys who can get outs in the playoffs. Yep. It's all about getting 27 outs every game. And that I thought was interesting, but it's also the the sign of the times now. Exactly. Well, and that's something that some of the some of the teams, like I would say the Orioles, although I don't think the Orioles could do much against that buzzsaw of the Rangers. But um every out matters, every run matters. You can't afford and I think best of three. You can't afford to lose a game. You can't afford to lose an inning. That's how close it is. So you sense, you even hint at a sense of trouble. You, you're as a manager, you need to be thinking, okay, who do I have? Who do I have coming up in the lineup? Who do I have in my bullpen? Who's getting warmed up? Is and 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 it, and that 
that deep strategy part of the game that you're following as a fan is such a big part. And I, speaking of the Orioles, I think that they'll be back next year, and I hope that they um, get a better draw. But um, the, you know, that's that was very really cool to see as a Phillies fan in Game Four. Um, and then they just worked through the bullpen. I mean, they like Krimble got another few outs, and then they put in the next guy. I forget who it was. I think it was Sir Anthony. And then it ended up being Mike uh, Matt Strom finishing the game. And he's never been a closer. No, but he also looks like Nicolas Cage from Con Air. So go back <laughs> yes. and take a look at that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I did see that. So you mentioned the Orioles. Let's move on to them. Yeah. Right now, the Rangers are up 2 nothing in the bottom of the fifth inning on the Astros in game one. But the Orioles had the Rangers spectacular season. Oh, yeah. You and the entire country is rooting for the Rangers. Although I really don't care. But they have not won a World Series. They have not won a World Series. But the Orioles, I I would say, they did run into a streaky team at the absolute wrong time. But that's still a very young team. And you could almost make the, make the argument that the Orioles were a year ahead of the production that they had this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that I think coming, could... coming into the series, you've got Bruce Bochy, who is a seasoned manager, won World Series, been there. And I do think that that matters in baseball. I know that many people will say that with analytics and computer, a computer could manage a baseball team. But I think that there's something still to be said about having mm. somebody who's been there, having that guy like the Astros, this right here it, with the Astros, Dusty Baker, right? He's been there before. You can trust him to do the right thing in these situations. No matter what the analytics say, he's going to be able to pull from experience that he has. And I just think that the Orioles were a great story. They're going to be good if they do the, the economics right. For a long time. They, they need to get a couple of players, and I'm not sure if they will. That's my question for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot of young talent that did really well this year. And you'd like to see them win more than one game in the playoffs. But again, they get another they get another team, and they maybe lose the series in five. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I wasn't all that disappointed. I know a lot of people around here were disappointed in the Orioles, but it's like you got to remember, the Angeles family has been running that team into the ground. And so to see them be this successful, I think, is a positive step in the right direction. Despite them. Yeah, yes, but also yeah. a good young team that you can get behind. Mm-hmm. Baseball needs those stories because we can't be seeing the same thing all over again. If we're not yeah. going to have the teams that are going to move the needle, like the Red Sox and Yankees and so forth, the Orioles and a young team is a great story that new fans can get behind. And yeah. so I think it was a win in that regard, but they just had no chance. I mean, the Rangers just took them out unceremoniously. It was like, you feel bad. And there was no New York Yankees or no Mets. There's no LA uh, was on a buy. So you didn't get to go to LA. You got to see a lot of cities and teams that don't normally get to be there. And the Rangers, uh, if you want to get into this now, the Rangers um, lost the lead in their, in, in their respective division. So I think they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They had to make the longest flight from from Texas to uh, or wherever they were traveling to to Tampa, which Tampa, I mean, yes, they um, they're they're a good team, but oh, I'm sorry, they I'm sorry to uh, to uh, Baltimore, uh, my my fault. So they had to move to Baltimore, but they had a chip on their shoulder, um, and and they and they just came out swinging so hard. Um, Adolis Garcia, the, the players that went to seemingly went to sleep at the end of the season just woke up. They were angry. Happens a lot in the playoffs, and that's what makes baseball baseball is a team that you think is dead is just it rises. Last one of these big-time winners in the regular season was the Dodgers. 
Mm-hmm. Nobody feels oh, bad for yeah. the Dodgers right now. I just want to put that out there. I mean, if you have the Astros as the most hated team in the major leagues, I think the Dodgers are the least sympathetic because they spend all the money. And I think it's just people are tired of the big spending teams that always get all the big name free agents. So they run into the Diamondbacks, who were a team that you said was left for dead in August, comes back to life, WWE Undertaker style, just rises up from the <laughs> canvas. And the Dodgers, honestly, heading into this. music in my head. Now. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. And if we had the rights to the gong, we would play it here, but I don't. And the thing is, the Dodgers put out Clayton Kershaw. Now, I want to say this, and it's not disparaging against Kershaw, but at this point in his career, <laughs> he's not Clayton Kershaw. Had a great season, right? Yes. Less than three ERA, fine. But in the playoffs, this is a different beast entirely. And good Lord, if this is the last we see of Clayton Kershaw, third of an inning, six earned. And you never want to see that out of a guy who he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. I don't I don't think there's really that much discussion is there for Kershaw. Yeah, he's got the ring. He's got the the the, so dominant. Yeah. Like I mean, he's got a lot. He's he's got the stats. I have to look the actual stat line again. But yeah, he's he's he may not be first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's going to get in. He thinks he's going to get in. Yeah. But the Dodgers now face this is the third out of the last four seasons. Well, actually, if you think about, they made the World Series in eighteen against the Red Sox, and so outside of twenty twenty, they've had a lot of disappointing exits, especially recently from the playoffs. And you can't make the excuse that they aren't spending money because they're getting the guys. To win. They have the talent. Yeah. And I think that now we maybe need to look at culturally what is not working for the Dodgers. Is it Dave Roberts, who I love for Red Sox reasons, right? Dave Roberts. But I know that a lot of Dodgers fans, and if you're one of them, please chime in. They won a title in 2020. But I think when you look back on it, it's a shortened season. And d- does it really count as much as winning through a full season, through a full playoff run, a real playoff run. I think it's fair to look at the Dodgers' recent history and question them in terms of organizational achievements. We did that with the Braves in the 90s. How many division titles in a row? One World Series Mm -hmm. to show for it. That matters. Mm -hmm. Bringing it home matters when you have all the talent. So I want your thoughts on the Dodgers. and Try to do it in the least emotional way possible, please. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of hit it there. Not a well-liked team. I I couldn't even tell you rationally why that is because the Phillies spend money, the Red Sox spend money. Why why do we hate the Dodgers so much? Success. I cannot put my finger on it. Oh, they hate the Red Sox too. I think any big market team is that way. Maybe it's just the big market team. You just like want to beat them. You know what it is, though? It's that these teams, and the Dodgers represent that now more than ever, they get everybody. Yeah, they get everybody. They're in the Shohei Otani discussion before he had the uh, Tommy John surgery. They'll still and be in it, though. And, and I think that's what it. gets it, is that... It, like he, Yeah. They're, they'll always the, be in it. Yeah, they've got the money. They sign Mookie, at in, uh, who is a future Hall of Fam- Famer in his prime. Yes. Um, they signed Freeman in this, some weird Atlanta deal. They... They they did get rid of Bellinger, which was a good move for them, and then um, they've got Kershaw, and they signed whoever else. Um, well, Trevor Bauer, that didn't go so well. For no, them. they did not. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that either. But they they did lose Justin Turner to the Red Sox, obviously this yeah, past year, right? Yeah, yeah. And Kershaw, I think, is going to be if this isn't his last year, it will be very very soon coming up. But Mm-hmm. Freeman and Betts, one for 21 yeah. in the well, series. It, it happens. If you would have told me that well, those guys would go for one for 21, I wouldn't predict that they'd be swept, 
but I'd say that they would lose the series, but not swept. No. Um, but you, you have to you admit, cannot win with that. But we have to now think about the future of the Dodgers, right? Like in terms of the culture, like does Dave Roberts stay? I mean, we're doing this with the Yankees now every year. I don't. Moon. I personal opinion. I don't think you fire a manager that just got them nearly 100 wins. You can't. But how many playoff exits is it going to take is my question. I'm not advocating for it. I'm merely asking the question. I, no, for I content don't think purposes. you do it I, because here's what's going to happen. It's, it's going to be in like an Andy Reid situation where you fire a coach because he's not getting it done, right? And they're say you're making the playoffs all the time, and then all of a sudden you fire Andy Reid. That doesn't solve anything. And then you're just a, now you're just a mediocre team with no coach, <laughs> and then you're just you're you're hurting for it doesn't matter how much money you spend. Yeah, maybe, but I think the the other problem. But if ma you, maybe the manager's is is the the head that needs to roll. Though. But if you well always because the manager is all like there you can't cut all the players. Right. No, these guys have guaranteed contracts. So no matter what you do, you're going right. to get paid. But I think that the big issue may not be necessarily Dave Roberts, but it could be that they get all the guys. But are they the right guys? Because if you look at the teams mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the championship series right now, they're all teams that have extremely great chemistry that came on at the end of the season. You can take a bunch of superstars and put them in a conglomerate together, but are they the right fit? Yeah. Freddie Freeman worked for the Braves because he fit into what that team needed at that time. Freddie Freeman's a great player. Very good player, yeah. Right, an excellent player. Mookie Betts is a great player, but do they work together in the way that that team has been constructed? Yes, in the regular season they do, but when you get to the playoffs, this is when the chips are down. I mean, maybe it's a situation where they're putting all their chips in a couple stars, and then when they don't get it done, it's evident that they're not a very good team. They have so you have a team like the Phillies, where you've got some of the other members of their team chipping in and 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 making it happen. Whereas in LA, um, you put you know Kershaw falls apart. Well, that's game over. You're you give up six runs in the first inning. That's kind of hard to get back from. But when you've got poor quality at bats coming from your top two stars. Um, yeah, that's not going to get it done. And I don't know. It always, it seems like to me, um, some teams like they're in their own head. So now that they've been kicked out of the playoffs, they have these great seasons. Maybe that starts to, to like wiggle in as some, like a little bit of a curse situation where they're like, how oh, we can't win in the playoffs. And then it's a, and then it's a thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, if I was a Dodgers fan, I don't think I could support firing the manager, Dave Roberts. Um, Let's see. Maybe Kershaw needs to take another role with the team. Maybe he's not the same and figure out your starting pitcher situation again. I don't know. I don't know what the fix is. I know exactly spend, what the spend fix more is. Money. Spend more money and get more players. I know exactly what the fix is. <laughs> Sign Shohei Otani and piss everybody off. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Even Kershaw when you have him, although he may not pitch again. But that's what we won't even talk about yeah. that either. B bottom line is um, they're a phony team and they're out and we're all happy for it. <laughs> that's getting cut. So last thing. Astros and Twins. Twins were a great story. Astros, though, even though they only won 90 games this season, they add Verlander at the trade deadline, which was a steal now because he's continuing to pitch at a very elite level. And the Astros mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. are good. This is now their seventh straight LCS trip, which is amazing to me. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are saying, well, they had to cheat to do it. And like they cheated from 17 to 19. They haven't cheated since then. So they're doing it the right way. Yeah. And that sets us up for the Twins, I think, as we said, will be back. But they just ran into a team that is deeper and has better starting pitching and just, again, gets the right hits when they need them in the right spots. That's what makes baseball special. So now we find ourselves to this Final Four. And you got 
Astros and Rangers on here. We'll start with that one first. Battle for Texas. This is kind of fun, although from Major League Baseball's perspective, not really, because they'd like to have more than one state. In, oh, really? Oh, yeah. From a ratings perspective, oh. 100%. Like, Texas is going to be off the charts. Oh, man. But, That's so funny, because for me, I actually liked the matchup. Oh, I love the matchup. Like, baseball people like the matchup. I'm yeah. talking about the people oh. that put their glasses on and are looking at the ratings numbers, oh. the money-making coming from this. They don't want two Texas markets in the same series. They would like there to be... It's the first time they've met up in the um, It is cool. In the LCS, yeah. But the thing that's really cool about this to me is, of course, you got two teams that are coming in. One team is a veteran team, or at least has veteran leadership, especially mm. with Dusty mm -hmm. Baker, Justin Verlander on the team. I thought that his speech after they won the division series was awesome. When he's yeah. like, we went through a lot of adversity. I wasn't effing here earlier. And I thought that's that's great. Like, he gets it. <laughs> and then you've got, got the the Rangers, who you are really high on. Uh, yeah. All I'm, season long. Very you fun love team. them. Yeah. I, I was. I love them. They're a super fun team. The manager, uh, Bruce Bochy, I think, is going to get AL Manager of the Year. Probably. Whereas I think the NL Manager of the Year will be um, Tori um, Tolovo, uh, the Diamondbacks manager. Yeah, so such a fun year. Um, Corey Seager. Uh, Marcus Simeon, Adolis Garcia, um, they <laughs> uh, they acquire Jordan Montgomery. Last year's acquisitions actually come together. Nathan Evaldi has a lights out season. Gets yeah. a little bit injured, banged up, has come back. Now he's pitching again. Jordan Montgomery yep. pitches game one. He's doing fantastic. Yeah, we're in the bottom of the sixth now. He has 83 pitches, so he could be out there for the seventh inning, depending on how mm. Bruce Bochy wants to handle it. But pitching fantastic. Yeah. And I think that this is awesome, too, because you have two guys, and this is a tease for our victory laps, but you got Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, two guys who signed big name, yep. big deals <laughs> with the New York Mets. And then they find themselves in the Facing championship off against series. each other, yeah. But Scherzer... We thought he was going to be out for the whole year, and now he's on the playoff roster. So this kind of sets up some fun yeah. intrigue. You got two guys. Now, I will say, though, I think Verlander, it still amazes me. He's, what, 42? And he's still pitching at this elite level. He's pitching really great tonight. He's having two, a two fant yep, yeah. fantastic okay. game. Yep. Scherzer, though, didn't look very good most of the season. But who knows, right? He comes back. If they can get something out of him, kind of like the way the Red Sox got just enough out of David Price in 18. Right. That's all you need. But it's intriguing to me. And I think that this is fun because it's almost like, first of all, it's the country rooting for the Texas Rangers and nobody's rooting for the Astros unless you actually live in Houston. No one. Just that's the way. It, I mean, I don't care because I can rationally think about these things. That's but the biggest cheating scandal in the past, you know, however many years. I was going to say the, the, the Black Sox would like a word. Yeah. But it's been you're right. It has been a while. But. I think that this is intriguing because it's a young team versus the team that everybody hates, but yet you got a lot of talent on both sides. And this is going to go seven to me. This is that kind of a series where I, I feel like that. it's it's going to, the the crowds are going to be super into it. I cannot wait for them to get back to Arlington to see what that crowd is like, like meaningful baseball. This is the first meaningful baseball the Rangers have played mm -hmm. since 2011 yeah. when they lost the World Series in heartbreaking fashion. Good call, yeah. So you always want to see that. And I'm excited for it, man, because I think that the both of these teams have something that you should be able to find fun and exciting to watch. But if you can't, again, you're just anti-fun. Yeah, and I and I did see Max Scherzer make the roster. I thought that, and I I didn't know he's on the on the cuff. I didn't even know if that was a th where he was possibly I not either. making it. I didn't either. Apparently, that was news today. Yes. Um, li I like to see him on the roster. But. I do. And then, of course, your beloved Phillies, which we'll spend more time on, have the Diamondbacks. Now, this is intriguing because this is two teams mm, okay. who are coming in and have a lot of momentum. 
very similar to the American League Championship Series. Yep. And fun fact, this is the first time in LCS history, I think, that all four teams left have 90 wins or less. Oh, so these yeah. are all these are all this non- is what we wanted. <laughs> yes, but I want to ask you. Maybe we didn't get to this earlier. So all of these teams did not get a buy for the most part. Yes. I think the Astros did, but other than that, wild card team. Yep, wild card. Yep, all, wild, of them. all of right. Yes, and so this high, this idea of the buy. A lot of people are trying to focus on it as the reason why these teams with ninety nine plus wins are losing. And I said to you offline, and I will say it here too, that I I do not buy into that fact because I think that you're professionals. Like these are professional teams. Teams in the NFL get a buy and it doesn't affect them because the NFL is also about rhythm. Baseball is very much about that. And there are things that you can do to continue to stay in rhythm. And you could make the, make the argument as well that you get a lot of dings and dents over the course of 162 games. So having a little bit of extra time for a guy who maybe is just feeling a little bit weird in his hip. And you think about those things oh, yeah. when you're doing your thing. I would think that any team, if given the option, would still take the buy regardless. It's all about how you prepare during it. I think it's a cop-out to say that it's the format that's killing you. I agree 100%. I <clears throat> I think that it is it is a cop-out. And I, I've read some Atlanta Braves articles that say, oh, you know, ask the Phillies if they want to buy. Ask them if they want to buy. And I would say, of course I do. They 100% would. You yeah, cannot convince me You're going to rest all of your pitchers and get a chance to see the other team play, and then you can have some sim games. Bring up your AAA team. Go play a go play a couple games with them. Get, take a day off, take two days off, and then play a couple sim games, and then stay engaged. Stay in the batting cages up until midnight if you need to. Be ready. Get up. And then by the time you're... And the, by the way, the, the team's coming to your house. You don't even have to leave on an airplane. You just... <laughs> You just you just go to the stadium. This stuff triggers me because I, these are professionals. Okay, like exactly. I'm yes. going to continue to 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 say that this isn't you or I out there. Who yes, we would need a day off if we went to the batting cages for an yeah. hour because that's just where we are in life. But these are professionals, <laughs> and especially with hitters, I understand that hitting is very much about rhythm and timing. But again, like you have off days. During the season, or you have times where a guy is hurt, he's on the 10-day IL, and he comes back after not playing for a week and a half. Sometimes those guys come back and are fine. This is a, ugh, I don't want to say it's soft, but it's like, this is just, this just comes down to bad preparation, and the team that is coming in to you, your preparation has to be, this team is coming off a high of winning the last series. We need to match that intensity. I think what it is, is... Um they haven't. Those teams haven't really had to play for anything meaningful in the end of the season. Thousand percent agree with you. I think that that does matter in a sport like yeah. baseball. The Atlanta Braves haven't played meaningful baseball. Mm-hmm. July, two weeks. Oh, well, July, sure. Think about it. At least two they were. Weeks. Uh, they were going to make the playoffs. <laughs> right. Well, is yeah, my yeah. point. Okay. Right. You could play. You could play average baseball and cruise in. Yeah. They yes, they won yeah. 104 games, mm-hmm. which is insane. So yeah. think about how. Like they they didn't have to really worry about no, that. That that's it. Yeah, we've seen that happen many times in the past. Where you're, and I was thinking, you know, you know, like w- even within the even within two weeks of time, or or in the month of September, where you're like you're just kind of cruising in. Your mentality is not there that you have to play a must win game. These other teams scrapping. Yes, that scrapping I think does matter, and that's what I'm saying is if you're the Atlanta Braves, you need to start thinking at some point. Like they won the division by what 14 games. Yeah. Something that means like they that. hadn't played a meaning, a real meaningful game. 
until they got to game one of the division series. And if that's the case, yeah. it's on the manager to get those players in that mentality of this. Yeah. And I think that it's it's fair to say that the Braves weren't prepared. The Dodgers weren't prepared. The Orioles, I think, get a little bit of a pass because they're a young team who I don't think they expected yeah, to be front runners in that regard at the end of the season. Like they were playing yeah. really, you know, and so I, I wanted them to win only because the last time they won was 40 years ago in 83. So that was kind of nice. Man, I was that born nice. that year. You and I were born oh, that yeah, year. That's that's been, you know, <laughs> Brooks Robinson was still alive. Just back one of those then. number things where it would have been cool if it worked out. I agree. But I just think that it's this you're right. too much talk about this. Yeah. And it's a cop out. It's a it's a thing for media people to talk about. It. It's a thing for these fan bases to get into. And I just don't buy into it. I think this is the format. Get over it. Get used to it. Play better. I agree. Get so over it. You play play the game. It, you're, it's just whining at this point. So how do you feel about this series? Because the Phillies are coming in with hot hitting, hot pitching, hot crowd. Diamondbacks the same way. But I I would venture a guess that for the most part, I, maybe people are rooting against the Phillies, but I feel like the Phillies have more of the momentum just because they're mm. still riding high from that playoff run last year. Yeah. The crowd is super behind them. The team is super gelled together. And what I've noticed that is that the guys like Castellano is finally starting to hit. And these yeah. are the guys that need to produce in the right times in the playoffs, and they're getting that. And I think it makes them dangerous. Yeah, and Castellanos is so poised as well. He's I, I think I saw him at the end of game uh, four or five, five and um, he was saying, yeah, we've got eight more games to win. I'm not celebrating. And they had the champagne. They did their sure. Thing. But yeah, all of them are, are like, yeah, on to the next game. We're ready. And and he's and he's been a real leader of the team um, in this year and in the postseason. Him and Harper are very tight. Um, they and they do have the star power. Um, the stars are the stars are aligning in Philly. I think this year, and we're going to see another good. Now Arizona does scare me. Uh, this team is also coming in hot. They just swept L.A. Um, they've got the pitching that you're going to see. Zach Gallen, Corbin Carroll scares the heck out of me. Rookie of the year. Um, they've got. They've got uh, Gurriel's hitting uh, Cattell Marte is seems like when he's on is one of the best players in the game. Um, so it's it's going to be a heavyweight match. Um, the good thing is, is the game, the first game is in Philadelphia and that's tomorrow and they'll be able to uh, get that energy back up. So you have to take at least one. If the thing about these, the well, I guess the seven game series, how's it go? Is it go two, three and two? I think so. So yes, believe it's so. going to so that that could be problematic. If you lose one game in Philly, then you've got to go back and play three in Arizona uh, when you've just lost home field advantage unless you're able to secure another win or two in Arizona. My hot take on this is I'm not sure how much home field advantage truly matters in baseball to the extent that oh. the crowd, I think, matters. But I don't know. Like, oh, it matters. It matters in Philly, it does. I don't know. I think it does to an extent, but I'm saying like in football, you the crowd noise, like you have to communicate with your guys because the plays are so oh okay. are so and complicated. Compared to football, yeah. Yes. And even in other sports, like in hockey, I don't think it really matters much outside of the crowd noise. The crowd yeah. noise and momentum and all that stuff does matter. But I think many professionals will tell you that they don't hear it and don't listen to it. And I think that it's not as big of a deal to go and play three on the road because I don't think that there's like now the one thing in baseball that I do think matters is ground rules because every stadium is different. So like if you're going to one of these more cookie cutter stadiums that have been built recently, you don't have a lot of those nooks and crannies. But if you play like at Fenway, 
you've got the pesky pole, you've got the triangle out there, right? There's weird yeah. eccentricities of some of these, like yes. Houston used to have the hill, yep. stuff like that. But I'm just saying like in general from like a, the crowd matters, but if it's a veteran team, I don't know how much that bothers them to an extent, but it does. I, I, would, I, would, I would disagree. I think what's what's been great about watching the Phillies in the past two years is you can see how home field does have a huge advantage. You come into that stadium, it may not be intimidating for the other team. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's just yeah. not intimidating for the other team. But what it does is the Phillies players, because they're so um, connected to the city and in that stadium, they they get really juiced up and they start they start they they get into it and they 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 you see the hand signals to the to the relief pitching staff. You see them showing Castiano showing the ring. He's not flicking off the team. He's showing that ring finger. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, oh, that's part of the drama of making that big hit. So no, I think it's a huge, um, boost for the Phillies, not, not because it's messing up Arizona, but because the Phillies are feeding off of that energy and they're just, and they're just, I mean, yeah, the pitching has been lights out, like you said, and the, the hitting's there. I think both can be true. I think it can be what I'm saying is not intimidating. And I think it can also be true that, of course, the players get a juice from yeah. being in front of the home fans, especially when the fans are great, whatever. So I'm going to jump ahead and give you my stat of the month. And it's applicable because it's for the National League Championship Series. So okay. the Diamondbacks and Phillies in their last 20 matchups, the Diamondbacks have won 10. The Phillies have won 10. Oh. In the last 80 matchups, the Diamondbacks have won 40. The Phillies <laughs> have won 40. And in the last 150 matchups, 75 and 75. This is going seven. That's, <laughs> that's nice. That's this, a nice pull. Isn't yeah. that crazy? That is crazy. And if you go to 151, so the totally Diamondbacks split. have the lead. There's totally split down the middle. Yes. But if you go to 151, 76, 75 Diamondbacks. So I don't oh. know if that means I don't know if that means Diamondbacks in seven. I'm not making any predictions, okay. but okay. it's just a lot of fun. So I think that the LCS round is going to produce a lot of fun. I know that some of these markets are not they're not going to have a national poll that the way that some of these other markets will but i think that baseball is yeah. not baseball is not a national sport in that way anymore i think it's a lot more regionalized to where you are and if you're already a baseball fan you've already got us hooked so we're going to watch I, this regardless you know i get that i get that it's not a national draw but i was talking with you and, and on the show i think the diamondbacks are such a fun team they're a fun team. They were fun this this uh, this entire season. I mean, they had to slump like for two months or so, one month, two months, but they bounced back. Um, this team is not to be ignored or underestimated at all. They've been good. They've been very good all year, and 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 the Phillies should not overlook them. I don't think they are, but no, it should. There there should be excitement about this matchup, and and I like it. It's good. It's a good match. There's going to be people that will cry and say, "Oh, it should be the Dodgers. It should be Dodgers Braves." I, I'm sorry, guys. That's I just don't buy it. The team that deserves to be there is the team that played better. Yeah. And the four teams that are here have played better throughout the playoffs. Fight me, because that's what's <laughs> happened. That is what's happened. By the way, Ber Verlander just got pulled six and oh. two-thirds oh. at 101 pitches. So that's oh. like old school. Wow. Old school workhorse type stuff. I love that ace stuff. I mean, that's Verlander at 40-something. It's fantastic. That is fantastic. So Good I'm excited. Him. But are you nervous about this round? Very nervous. Yeah, I'm hanging. Game game four is hanging on the edge of my seat. Um, you have to be nervous. That's what makes it fun. Even though I was so nervous watching these games, 
honestly, like that's that's the excitement of the game. I like being nervous watching these games. It makes it more fun. And then when you finally get that um, like huge hit, you're just oh. bouncing off your chair. It's it's. I mean, yeah, I am nervous. Famous like, story. And my wife is downstairs, and she can she can confirm this story. When we first met, it was during the 2013 run for the Red Sox, which was a magical run oh, okay. because of the marathon bombing and everything. But she and I were together. We'd been together, I think, for five months, six months, something like that. So we've been together. But we hadn't really consumed sports together because we got together in April. And so the baseball season has started. Football is over. So now we move into October. And the Red Sox are playing the Tigers in mm. that LCS Ooh, that oh, year. Yeah. Max Scherzer was actually the pitcher on the Tigers. Oh, that my year. gosh. And this is the famous David Ortiz Grand Slam game where he hits the Grand Slam. They're down 6-2. to two. The the cop, the, the security guard in the bullpen, Tori Hunter flips over. Well, she's sitting on my lap while we're watching this. Base is loaded. Like, Fenway Park is buzzing. <laughs> and I legit threw her off of me. When he made contact, because it was one of those where you just kind of know. And then, yep, like, yep. as soon as it went over, I was celebrating so hard that I slipped and fell oh. into the counter. And I was just, like, on the ground with my arms just up in the cheering. air. Yeah, yeah, and she's just like, I don't get it. And I'm like, yeah, this is – I can't really explain to you, like, why that – like, obviously, it's a grand slam, but why that is so exciting. Because that team had been carrying so much of the weight of Boston. And that was a, that was a year, I think, that most people could get – buy their hatred of Boston and get behind that team because they had a lot of likable guys in that team. They Shane did. Victorino, Johnny Gomes, like those are yeah. even Pedroia to an extent. I think people could get behind. And then of course all the the drama. So that's a funny story for, for anybody who has ever had a, a marital issue and we weren't even married. We'd just been dating, but yeah, threw her right off. Great I don't even know where, don't know where she landed. And she was just like, what was that? Well, did you at least like follow her around with a pack of ice or like help her out or anything? Like just to make you look a little Thankfully, bit Thankfully she landed on the couch oh, okay. from afterward. But I think she was more just watching me fall over in celebration because it was one of those yeah. moments. But that's what baseball does. Like the, there's, there's not much drama like and any other sport doesn't really build that kind of drama. But when the pitcher is staring in at the catcher, the batter's waiting, the crowd is at a fever pitch. Not, not any other sport can really recreate that the way that baseball does it. Exactly. And I think that's where you get that. So the playoffs we will revisit, I think, after the World Series is over, when we will close out this season of flashing the leather and come back sometime in the offseason. But let's get to some victory laps because I'm very excited about this. So the last two Ooh. times that we talked, especially around the trade deadline, we talked the last two times about Shohei Otani, which is not difficult to do because he's a guy you should be talking about in baseball. But the trade deadline, the Angels made a business decision, and their decision was to keep Otani and not shop him. And you and I, me more than you, I think, was very, very vocal about that being a bad business yeah, not decision. Not only just not shopping them, but like, saying and making a statement which actively, is very rare actively yes. saying he is not on the market like several days before the deadline not even accepting an offer really dumb <laughs> and you and i both said that going all in this season was too late and it didn't take more than 10 days for everything to fall apart for the angels so we are taking a victory lap because otani gets hurt the team dumps everybody including giolito that they traded for nothing nothing that they did made sense and it's on fire. It's it's not recoverable. And even to the point where they were even on fire. They were almost actively shopping Mike Trout at the end of the season to where they were like, yeah, we'll listen to offers for him. You should have done that 
at the beginning, we both said it. A lot of people have said it. And we got a lot of crap for saying that. But now, playing the result, we're going to take a victory lap. Um, they traded for Giolito, which, remember I was saying that I respect the moves. I don't agree with it. I respected the, the, sure. what they were doing because they were trying to win. Sure. They were trying to win. Now, I didn't agree with it. I thought it was a bad idea. But I'm like, okay, they're they're not just saying we're not shopping Otani and then doing nothing. They actually went out and got people. What happened to G, uh, Giolito? They put him on waivers. And then he finished he the season too. as a, a Cleveland Guardian. Actually did pretty well. There, yeah. But he stunk for the Angels. <laughs> he stunk for the Angels, which he's a streaky player, so I won't get it into is. it. But, man, oh, no. They're, 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 they didn't get they – did, they got zero for Otani. They could have actually shopped him around last year and could have gotten something for him. But now the other thing that was weird too, he their their P, their PR is just a just a dumpster fire. He tears his UCL or has a partial tear in his UCL. Then he's still batting. He's still actually batting and then gets the oblique injury. And then just without telling the media, just randomly packs up his locker and goes back to Japan or something without telling anybody. How do you think the media is going to react to them just saying goodbye? Yeah, I'm done for the season. You didn't broadcast anything, didn't even really say anything about Otani's health, nothing. Just packed it up. They deserve it. And I, 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 like, I'm like, well, maybe he's trying to put in a bid for the MVP, which he he still might get the MVP this year. If he if that's the case, I, I don't but I don't know if I see is that, that worth. No batting. No, with a, it's with not. I, I don't know if that's something that Otani would do. It doesn't seem like. The Japanese players would be that way. That's a very selfish thing, and like Japanese culture is is not quite like that. He's a true competitor as well. So he's he Japanese, is, but he's also he a true is. Competitor. But when you're hurt, and he has to know, he has people who are telling him who are in his ear saying, "You you've got to think about your future," because he has potentially five to six hundred million dollars on the line, and that's what sucks is that the Angels messed it all up. They messed it up for everybody. More so for their fans. But the, the Angels are not allowed to have nice things because of the mismanagement of having not one, but two generational players at their disposal at the same time and coming up with nothing. They deserve nothing. They get no sympathy from me. And you know what? Woo, woo, take that victory lap. We're going home. And you know what? They did nothing with, even when Otani was healthy before the UCL injury, um, they still weren't great. They were already falling apart before he was injured. He went out, and unfortunately for him, he gets the the surgery, uh, the the UCL injury. Now he's getting surgery. He will not pitch next year. Um, that's may unfortunate. Not pitch again. Because uh, that's the second one, isn't it? Yes. So it's a second Tommy John surgery. May not pitch again. Which is sad, very unfortunate. Oh, yes. But now um, other teams might have a chance to get them on their team. It's not just uh, the Dodgers. No, I think, be... I think when we go into the offseason, when you and I do our first offseason episode, I think we need to deep dive into what his value is if this is true, if he's only a batter. Now, he's going to carry a ton of a ton of weight, of course, as a batter, but I think that there is major philosophical discussions that we could have about yeah. what that comes with because I think it takes away half of his generational talent because he can't play defense now too yes he can't play defense exactly. so it's like the Bryce Harper DH Bryce Harper which still valuable but not doing anything else no and I think if there's another victory lap we should take which I feel like we've taken one already but let's go again because the Mets are fun the Mets and the Padres I would go back into the archives, and I may do this one day, <laughs> and play how I said, first episode we ever did, that I thought that this historic spending 
wasn't going to matter. And I thought that it was bad spending. Now, I think the Padres are a little bit different because it's your first year with these guys all together. But it's another situation of high-priced talent not fitting together for one reason or another. Oh, yeah. And the Mets at least dumped everything and knew, right? So that's how we get Scherzer and Verlander in the LCS. The Padres, though, (laughs) they didn't do anything because they're stubborn and they're not as savvy, I don't think, as the Mets. The Mets knew, even though they spend a lot of money, it's like, okay, cut bait, let's do this. And the Padres, though, they showed flashes. At the end, They, I think they ended the season on like a five or six game win streak. And it's like, there's the flash, but a season of disappointment. And I'm taking this victory a lot personally because I said it. I said it. You did. But I don't take pride in this. I mean, I do. I think you should. A little bit. Mets. <laughs> I definitely do with the Mets. But it sucks because the Padres could have been a very exciting team with a lot of good, again, young superstar yeah. talent. I, I think people were rooting for the Padres. I was one of them. They didn't need to get uh, Xander Bogarts. They didn't need to. No. They had Fer- Fer- uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the best talents of the game. Did have some problems, but he's he only t- lost three weeks of the season. They yes. didn't need to get him. And then they put him out in the outfield. I don't think he wanted to play outfield. This is another philosophical discussion that we will have about how you do the spending correctly. And I do believe that the teams that win consistently do the spending correctly because I know that the fans always want the splash. They want the splash guy. Okay, Red yeah, Sox yeah. fans wanted that. us to sign Bogarts. And I said that not signing him is going to be better for them long-term because the length of the contract, given his age, you're not going to get the benefit out of it that you think that you're going to get. And if the Red Sox can take that money that they're not going to spend, develop other players, and get a better team as a result, that I think is better business. But now the Padres are facing, holy crap, we just spent a bunch of money, and now we were mediocre. Yeah. So... The Mets, I think, are full rebuild now. Like, they kind of know, boom, full rebuild. And I think that's smart. Just cut bait. Don't even try. The Padres, though, are going to be stuck in this position where if they haven't produced in four or five years, now, man, they got these albatross contracts that they got to deal with. They, they, The Padres might bounce back next year because they had a really weird year. Uh, Machado didn't do as well as he should have in previous years, like he, like he has in previous years. Um, Tatis was kind of figuring his way out. Blake Schnell had a lights out year. They had some pitchers. I think you Darvish did uh, serviceable. He did okay. Bogarts was up and down streaky, um, but they, I mean, I feel like some of their stars still are there. Um, so we'll, I'm I'm excited to see what they'll do next year, especially with the Dodgers, the way that they are and the Diamondbacks now emerging as you know. It's a tough division. Potential contenders. Tough yeah. division. So yeah, it is. And the Giants could come back with a new manager. And be better than they were this Giant, year. Yeah, the Giants were in there too. Yeah, so that's a tough division. And I mean, God, can you imagine if the Giants get Otani? That just changes wow. everything. And there, there's a lot of what ifs. But I think the what if that isn't that has come to fruition is that just because you spend a lot of money doesn't mean that you're going to win. It takes the right guys at the right time, and sometimes it just takes some damn luck to win in the major league. So we're getting up to the end, my friend, and we have. One more thing to do. I want to hear how did your fantasy season end? Because I know the last time we spoke, lots of ups and downs this season. Oh, yeah. Not not an ideal season. Um, I have to congratulate Team Friendly uh, for winning the championship. He had Trey Turner on his team, by the way, and he did very well. 
Um, howdy hooker. A little bit. Yep. The howdy, howdy hooker baseball. Got it right. This um, time. so I finished in sixth place, not nugget out of 10 teams really. Under, that was the, under, that was, as a statistician, I needed that underperformed. Okay. Uh, I mean, terribly. Uh, I had Machado on my team and Tati. So that's why I was kind of pulling for the Padres. Machado just did so bad. I will say that, um, like, Oh, that. I missed, I didn't mention Juan Soto on the Padres. Yes. Um, big off season acquisition potentially next year, by the way. I think um, he's going to land somewhere else and make a big splash because I don't think that they need him. I saw him in a Yankees jersey, like AI generated Yankees jersey today, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, please, God, no!" <laughs> but Dodger, what are you talking about? Uh, maybe um, Dodgers get everybody. Yeah. So, um, congrats to Team Friendly, and he edged out um, all aboard the barrel train. Who who is the league manager? <laughs> and no, it was a really fun year oh, as per usual. I, I love uh, I love playing with those guys. So yes, uh, didn't do well this year, but still an enjoyable season. Yeah, it well good. I mean, that's all that you really want, right? Is yeah. to have it. I mean, it keeps you engaged throughout the entire season. Not that you wouldn't be, but I think next year your son has to be general manager of the team for you, and then we can track yeah. how this goes. I don't. I think that they've kind of outlawed uh, kids' involvement in the team, but um, he definitely was checking my team every day and even swapping players in and out. Uh, making sure that I didn't have anybody on the bench or like it. <laughs> I like it. Talked out. He said, Oh, this player is playing against this uh, hot hitting team. We should, do we want to really play this pitcher? You know, things like that happen. So everybody needs a George Costanza, George Costanza assistant to the traveling secretary. And I think that your son has taken on this oh, role. Yeah. He so loves, he loves it. A lot going on. The LCS is happening. And I think the next time we speak, the world series champion will have been crowned. So before we go, do you have, a, a an unbiased pick as to who you think is going to be in the World Series. Okay, um, unbiased pick. He can't do it. Rangers Phillies. No. <laughs> Rangers Phillies. Yes. I would love to see it. Okay, there you you heard it here first. I mean, honestly, right now that seems like a pretty reasonable pick because I think they're the two hottest teams, and I think it will be a fascinating series if that takes place. But you will hear it all first here. Uh, before we get you out of here, a little bit of administrative stuff. Of course, we need to plug the social media. Please remember to check us out on TikTok at INC Sports is the handle for that. Facebook, you can search INC Sports for our Facebook page. We're on Instagram at INC Sports is the handle there. Every Friday, Coach and I do College Kickoff Eve, which is a college football show. We like to break down the week that's coming up. Honestly, it's just an excuse for us to hang out live every single Friday because that's where we are in life at age 40. This is what we do. And it's honestly some of the most fun my son does make a pick every week, so you want to tune in because he is 4-1 and one in making picks live on oh, the wow. show. Impressive. He is better than all of the prognosticators Good out job, there. Good job, James. Yes. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe is always very helpful. And if you're watching or, excuse me, if you are listening on audio, also remember, follow, subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff. Support the Matty S Media Network. MattySMedia.com is back up for all the other podcasts that we have. Jonesy, it is always an absolute pleasure to have you up here. Your insight is second to none. And I just have a great time talking with you. To everybody else, I hope this finds you well. Hope this finds you safe. And we will talk to you next time. This is Flashing Leather. That's baseball, baby. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on INC Sports are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty S Media Network. INC Sports is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.